Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Emma Project Podcast. I'm your host, Wen Xin. I do one project a year, hence the Emma Project. Since 2016, I have dived into Italy, minimalism, sociology, website, diet, bullet journal, faith, and art. Join me on my annual project 2023, which is podcasting, where in this channel I will talk about my annual projects since 2016. Additionally, I would also cover topics such as career, relationship, travel, finance, lifestyle, and everything else in between. So sit back, relax, and join me exploring life via my annual project. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Annual Project Podcast. So this episode is going to be describing about my experience in a recent silent meditation trip, and this is the Vipassana meditation organized by Dharma Organization, which is a worldwide organization. I actually waited for a month to record this episode because I wanted to. Experience a few things for a month first before I gave my testimony. And disclaimer: this is merely my experience and some of my limited understanding on Vipassana. Nevertheless, it is still something that I think is still valid to share. And of course, for any official reference or better understanding, please visit the website, which is www. dharma. org. www.dhamma.org, and now let's dive into episode. Let's go. So, as usual, we are going to start with some context. So, I needed to go back to 2010 when I was、um, at my late teens. There was this movie, a very famous movie called Eat, Pray, Love. I think a lot of you have probably heard about it. It was a woman.、Um, the actress was Julia Roberts, who went through who went to three countries in a quest to find herself. And interestingly, one point just came to my mind. One of the country that she went was Rome, Italy, which is actually my favorite country. And maybe at my late teens, a seed was planted in my head to explore Italy, and Italy became my very first annual project. So this is just a very good point that I just thought about a couple just before I started recording on this. And then the second country that she went to is India, and then the last stop was Bali, Indonesia. So during the scene in India, it was actually Julia Roberts attempting sign meditation, and I remember that scene was very impactful on me because when I saw it, I remember telling myself that I want to try it one day. But the thought is, I needed to go to somewhere far away or travel to another country for such experience. So that was my perception back then. And then,、um, nothing to share about Bali, Indonesia, except I wish to go back one day. Then, fast forward during my university days, I did attempt meditation on and off. wasn't very successful in a lot of attempts. And sometime in 2020, during the pandemic, during the lockdown, a friend Yinli she organized a Deepak Chopra 21 day challenge, 21 day meditation challenge, and it coupled with journaling as well. So I was in between jobs. I was 
very free. I couldn't go out and do anything because it was the height of the lockdown. So I religiously did the Deepak Chopra 21-day meditation and I enjoyed it, benefited a lot of it. So that was one way of me spending my lockdown. Then in 2021, when I officially dived into faith and spirituality via Annual Project 2021, I did a little bit more guided meditation that year, I believe. Then in 2022, I dived into more New Age meditation. So New Age meditation, it didn't really come with like an official meditation type. But I deduce that it is partial kundalini meditation, which involves breathing. And I followed guided meditation still, which involved inner child, energy, and also sound healing. So now I do go on sound healing meditation on a monthly basis. And sound healing involves gong bath and the use of other very simple musical instruments. And it's said that these instruments release frequency that will penetrate your body and does then your body does the healing on its own. So something I look forward to on a monthly basis, I think it helped me to level my mind on a monthly basis. So yes, so that's something that I'm currently doing. And then sometime in mid-year in 2022, Vipassana came to my attention from a friend and a huge thank you to JR for recommending this to me. And because, like I said, I thought that if I were to go on such silent meditation retreat, I needed to travel somewhere. Lo and behold, there is one set up for almost 20 years, I believe, or slightly lesser than that, just two and a half hours away from DKL City. And there are also other options in Malaysia that meditators can go to as well. And since then, it has been under my radar. And Vipassana meditation has also come into conversations or occasions when I was with the New Age community. So sometime in July, I had quite an interesting experience. I was in between jobs again, and there was a period of a week I was experiencing a very heightened or heightened sense of awareness. It was at that time I really didn't understand what what it is. I remember I was telling my therapist, "Oh, I'm experiencing this. I'm not too sure what it means," and neither neither do my therapists know what it means as well. But I think what I did use it is it is an active meditation. And in an official term, I think it's called Vipassana Yogi. It is a yogi state of mind that I am practicing many active meditation that I am aware or very aware or too aware of my day-to-day activity. And if I were to describe it in a way that you could maybe relate is, it is almost like I'm observing myself through a CCTV. Like I am seeing myself eating. I'm feeling myself doing, holding every single thing. I was, can't even feel that I was talking to someone. Like I'm a third party looking at myself. So that was the feeling that I had. And I had this for almost like minimum five to seven days. Then, so this was an experience that I vividly remember that happened to me last July. 
Then in December, which is just uh, two months ago, I saw a window of opportunity to go for this 10-day program. So yes, Vipassana, um, the first course you would take is a 10-day program. I saw an opportunity to take two weeks off work, and so I seized it. And now I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the experience. So before I go for the trip, I did not have, I almost have no expectation. Of course, I know that it's going to be full on meditation. I know of the schedule. I did my registration. I was accepted. Then I blocked my calendar accordingly. And I, in between, I did not do any research on how the experience is going to be like or what do I need to additionally pack with me. But my uh, lovely friend again told me what to bring. And I also met a senior student whom I gave her a right to join me. Also gave me a lot of tips on what to bring and I have her to sing because I brought a pillow and the pillow was alive, changing because I slept like a baby. Without that, um, it will be a very small, thin pillow, which I think I wouldn't be sleeping as well as I would like to. Um, yes, without any expectation, I went for the retreat. It was a 10-day program, like I said, but I checked into the place for a total of 12 days, 11 nights, because excluding check-in and check-out days, it is actually a 10-full-day program. So I did spend 12 days, which is Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day during this meditation. It was quite interesting. I, I felt like I actually skipped leaping the year. So when I check out myself on 1st of January 2023, it was as if I'm, I was still in 2022. It took me a while to actually get the sense that I'm in 2023. So yes, the experience of 10 full day is actually experiencing the monk or nun lifestyle. And it starts from 4 a.m. Yes, you hear me right. 4 o'clock in the morning until 9.30 to 10 p.m. at night. And that's where everyone needs to off their legs. And the meditators, the students, need to observe noble silence. Noble silence means there is absolutely no talking and no interaction with fellow meditation and meditators. And there are no contact with the real and the material world where your phone is taken off you on day zero. Um, I have full vegetarian food for a full day, very yummy vegetarian food. And I did nothing, as in at least the schedule requires me to do nothing but meditate. Everything else is being taken care of and doing nothing but meditate. And this meant 7 to 10 hours of meditation a day. So this was what i gone through. And interestingly, maybe not so interestingly, I, I knew that I could do this lifestyle and I actually enjoy a lot of it. I think I enjoy most of it. I enjoy the noble silence. I enjoy the digital detox. I wasn't missing my phone a lot. And I enjoy the vegetarian food and I enjoy doing nothing. But the one was painful, which is actually sitting through the 7 to 10 hours of meditation. Because it's cross-legged, it's going to be a straight back. Of course, you don't have to be entirely 90 degrees straight, but it should at least be straight enough to maintain good posture. 
So except sitting through seven to ten hours, around day four or so, I felt like my body has ran through a full marathon because it hurts my legs for being in folded position and it also hurts my back, especially my shoulder for sitting up for like seven to ten hours a day. So yes, that was quite a challenge to go through. Then it comes to the actual learning and I think this kind of lifestyle or this kind of learning where I do nothing but doing but meditate, it really allows me to learn the meditation technique properly because uh, there were actually three types of meditations that um, the meditator could learn. The first is being anapana, which is actually a simple breathing exercise. It's simple yet not simple. Because you're supposed to only focus on breathing, breathing of a certain parts of your body. And every day you're given different tasks to expand your breathing or expand your practice. It is a very well-structured 10-day course of a meditation journey to bring you through these three types of meditation. So every day the task is a little different and expanded so that you are able to grasp this meditation technique properly so yes uh, we started with anapana which is breathing uh, breathing a very small area and then it moves on to the main meditation which is vipassana vipassana involves the scanning of a body in a certain way so that you feel that the main concept is you are sensing the sensation and whether you are feeling a good sensation or a bad sensation you do not react to it and this is a difficult task and sitting still for a minimum of an hour doing so sensing everything that you could and not reacting to it and this is so simple yet so profound which i will expand a little bit later and then there are there is this third and last short meditation that we learned which is called meta meditation it is actually a meditation of peace or in a way expressing peace or sharing peace, love, harmony, trust, goodwill to others. It's like saying words of affirmation to the world, to people that you would like to share or in a way to everyone. So I really find meta meditation, even though it was just like a half a day teaching, a very simple teaching actually. And I really enjoy that part because it's just such a simple, peaceful meditation to end your vipassana practice. Yeah, yeah. So I really enjoy that part, even though it is probably one of the smallest part of it. Then the actual experience also involved about learning Buddhism. So Buddhism was my least explored area in twenty twenty one when I was studying faith and spirituality, because I was focusing more on I think Christianity. Islam and New Age. So Buddhism became the least explored area. I'm grateful that through this experience, I was able to learn about Buddhism a little bit more. So Vipassana meditation is non-sectorial. In a way, it's not, in a way, it's not officially associated to Buddhism or any religion. However, the basis is built on Buddhism principles. And the learnings and the teaching are based on Buddha teaching. So 
even though it's not officially associated, I I would say it's loosely or in a way quite associated to Buddhism as well. So the meditation technique is open to all religion and everyone. But of course, in Malaysia, there is a law. It is the law that um, Muslim wouldn't be able to join this program. But it is still open to other believers. However, this question is not answered yet. But I do have a question where if a believer of a certain religion would like to join, it may be a little challenging because I felt the basis basis is still on Buddhism. So it depends on the believer's faith, whether how do you view if you are joining a program or attempting a program of a Buddhism-associated meditation. However, again, this is my view. I think it is still definitely further to find out. And I'm sure if you are confident or if you are certain, if you know your faith and you would still like to try out Vipassana meditation, for sure, it is, it is open to anyone. Okay, then what other experience do I have? Um, so apparently there are different levels of medita- uh, meditation status or progress in a way. So um, that's where I found out that there is this whole Vipassana yogi kind of experience where one is actively meditating even though he or she are doing her day-to-day. Like if you're typing in front of your computer, if you're showering, if you're eating, if you're washing your dishes, if you're walking, you have that sense of awareness that you are present. You're focusing on the awareness and that itself is called Vipassana Yogi. So I, the July experience last year before I joined the 10-day program was a wake-up call. It was in a way like, oh, I experienced something very similar to it. And then there is also this experience of total dissolution. So it is where... I'm not too sure of the actual interpretation or the actual description of it. I think, I think I experienced it mildly on the 10 day, interestingly, after I broke the noble silence. So yes, on the 10 day, we all get to break our noble silence, but we still need to meditate for another half a day or so. And I was surprised that I had a really different meditation experience after breaking noble silence that um I, I think it's called total dissolution where my body is felt very differently. I couldn't felt my limbs. Um I was in a very uniform I was experiencing very uniform vibration across my body. But I think it was relatively calm um when I experienced that. So that is something that is quite interesting to experience. And then um, I also have another encounter. And this is not just one and not just two, but three different encounters with a snake. So the retreat center is in a palm oil plantation. So there are animals. Um, I definitely wasn't warned that there are snakes, but um, I'm not going to go too much of a detail of it, but it was, I felt it definitely meant something because of the way that I encounter this lovely animal. And, and I wrote down on my journal, go find out what does encountering snake means. And I think 
Of course, on the internet, spiritually, it meant something. And it has two camps, not going to go too deep. They're the good camp, they're also the not-so-good camp. But yes, the encounter was very interesting, I would say. And then other experiences also include that my mind was, as usual, wild. Crazy. I was non-stop thinking, as usual. So um, I didn't break break a lot of rules in the way you're supposed to observe a few things to really experience the lifestyle. So I, you're not supposed to bring food with you, which I didn't. Um, not supposed to bring reading material, which I also didn't. You're not supposed to bring writing material, which I do not follow this rule. I really needed to bring my journal because I know that if I don't, my mind will just go crazy. If I do not bring down anything that is on my mind, my mind will be like fully loaded with thoughts. So the only rule or one of the main rules that I broke was to bring in a journal. And true enough, um, I was non-stop brain dumping. And for 10 days, I wrote down like 33 pages of notes. And within that 33 days, there was my 2023 plan, which I actually planned across four days. Like maybe one hour a day, I was spent planning it because it was like towards the year end. And then I was having a little breakthrough about figuring out my diet. And then I was documenting all the learnings that I could in a day, writing down a lot of notes, especially when, because I forgot the point that every evening there was an hour of video discourse delivered by the Indian teacher who had actually passed away, S.N. Gwenka. Um, it was actually the session that I looked forward the most because it was a video interaction that I get to get a download from him on what, what that day actually meant, what the learnings of that day meant. So every time after the session and I ran to my room and I quickly shut down all the learnings that I could. But it funnily, actually on day 10, they gave us a printed book of the learnings that you would get. So actually, I didn't need to bring down or note down all the learnings that way. Then other notes on my 33 pages, including short stories. I think I wrote two short stories, uh, pretty stupid ones. Then of course, I bring down. I bring down a lot of things that are on my mind, random ones, annual project related ones. So that is just the usual me. Then on the last day as well, uh, other experience including me befriending like-minded people. And these people are on their respective spiritual journey. And um, in a way, I think a very interesting observation is on day 10 when everyone started speaking after a noble silence, it is really odd to listen to so much noises, so much chatter. On day 10, the whole center suddenly became alive. And these people that I talked to and had probably an assumption about, they are just people and they are just normal people. They are still people with strength and weakness and the way they talk shows their identity. And they are not all monks or nuns. So it's quite interesting. I don't know why I have this feeling. 
But there was a feeling I got on day 10 and day 11, where I get, when we get to finally mingle and get to know each other. Yep, so that, those are some of the experiences that I had for the past 10 days. Then it comes to the actual learning. I'm, the main learning that I got was to learn about the value of equanimity. The value of equanimity. So it's to have an equanimous mind when you meditate. So it is to sense the sensation arises on your body and yet not react to the craving and to not react with craving or aversion that arises. So that is just to have like a very steady, calm, equanimous mind. And it makes so much sense. It's really so simple, yet it makes so much sense. And this is based on the law of impermanence. So the idea is nothing is permanent in this world. Your sensation is not permanent. Your life is not permanent. Eventually, we will all pass away. And your goods, your material goods are not permanent. Your friendships are not permanent. Your relationships are not permanent. Your job is not permanent. So it really is based on this universe law. And what I also learned is also to let go. And because of things being impermanent, you just need to let go of what, in a way, let go of attachment, which is in a way probably the biggest teaching of Buddhism. When you let go of attachment, you let go of misery. And misery is caused by having cravings, aversion, and also ignorance. And this whole Vipassana meditation is teaching us to let go of all this attachment because the law because it is the law of impermanence and also to practice the value of equanimity. So really I think around day four so I felt that I finally surrendered because I had a lot of questions in my mind about the technique, like am I doing it right? Uh, am I scanning the body the right way? And I also had a lot of questions about the learnings, as the, the theoretical part of it as well. So even if we are unable to talk, we are still able to engage with a teacher. There are two assistants teacher, one male and one female. So I think almost every day I was talking to the teacher, trying to ask her questions. But I think it's really around day three or day four when she said, oh, you will learn this on day X. And I was like, oh, actually, I just need to surrender. Like, of course, it's my first time, so I do not know what to expect. So I think I, when I surrendered, I think I was able to experience or have a breakthrough sometime in day five and day six to scan the body that I was required to scan. And need to go back to a little bit about equanimity. And it's also when you have a good sensation, like let's say a cold breeze, you we shouldn't have craving that we want more of it just because it is a good sensation. We kind of accept it, embrace it, and let it be. And same goes to when you have a bad sensation like itchiness. You wanted to scratch it or you have pain on your legs just because it's folded for so long. You're not supposed to react with aversion or hatred of that feeling, you're supposed to just let it be. And after a while, the feeling will just be numb or gone. 
So this is actually the core teaching. Then another learning that I got is this whole meditation retreat was a reminder for me on minimalism. So yes, in around 2017, I embraced minimalism and the lifestyle, the monk and the nun lifestyle of like where you have no, no talking, no contact, no phone, simple food, doing nothing but meditate. It's very minimal and it's also what's enough for a monk and a nun. And it just reminded me that I don't need a lot to be happy or fulfilled. I do not actually need my phone. I just need the right essentials, which is rest, sleep, food, time to do activities, and that's all. So yes, um, it's just something that has a reminder to myself and I hope to also practice a little bit more consciously. Then um, the learning also includes love and compassionate. And the interesting topic will be probably exploring or experiencing loving unconditionally and equally. I mean, it's easy to say that I love someone or I love something, but it often comes with a rule or come with I love you only if XXX. I love a person only if that person loves me more. I love you only if you XXX or... So there's always like a certain rule that's attached to it. And I remember someone asked me about what do I think about love unconditionally? And I think my stance was I couldn't. Yeah, I will only love you as if you XXX. And, but I think during this meditation, especially during the meta meditation portion, we are taught to love unconditionally, even though people that we do not meet, we share love and we share peace to that person, pray for that person. And it was then that I'm feeling like I'm finally learning and understand unconditional love. And definitely it's still a huge practice. Then what I really love about this entire meditation experience was it is a real practical learning on the above. It's the use of meditation, which uses the body and mind to experience the value of equanimity, to experience the law of impermanence, because sensation arises, right? And to really experience the art of surrender and to experience the minimalistic lifestyle. And yes, it's a very well-structured course that you're able to have this practical learning unbordered, undisturbed for 10 days. And I think this type of practical learning also inspire a few annual project ideas, which I jot down and bring them a lot. So yes, I'm also excited to see like how can I apply this a little bit more. So this practical meditation, right? you are actually able to apply in your real life. So for example, is if let's say someone were to say bad words in front of your face, your first thought is to reciprocate with anger or hatred or violence even. The idea of the value of equanimity is you will still sense something. You will still sense displease or aversion, but you do not react to it, you will still also have a reaction, 
But because you have this sense or even this value of equanimity, you will react in a way that is not bringing harm to yourself or even to the person. Whether you choose to let it be or you choose to revert in a professional manner, please do not say such words to me or to be safe, you walk away. So that is the whole idea of practicing vipassana. And same goes to a flip side of an example. Let's say ambition or success. When there are ambition of success, you feel good because it's such a good sensation. People praises you, you get rewards and compensation, you get status. But these are driving you to you wanting more and more successes and drive you to be a little bit more ambitious. And when it comes to this, they're bound to be failure and you're trapping yourself in the rat race, in the misery state that you want more, you want more and you would do something bad or you would ignore your needs to get there. And so Vipassana is just a reminder of to not react to cravings and aversion and also your ignorance, which is your ego. So I thought it's so practical in a way that on day-to-day I'm able to practice this in my lifestyle, whether it be a situation at work or communication with my family, communication with my friends because sometimes there are bound to be conflicts in any life areas. I was able to use this value and this law or even the art of surrender as well to practice So because I'm practicing on a daily basis using my body, 15 minutes meditation a day, when I come into the real world, when I go to work, when I meet my family, when I meet my friends, I am also actively practicing it through the way I talk, through the way I work. Of course, it is still a work in progress. As uh, Sir Gwenka say, you do not become a Buddha just because you check in yourself to a 10-day meditation retreat. So it's still a lot of practice. I think Buddha himself took years of practice. And for me, I will be taking a lifetime to practice and may not even reach to a certain state. But that is the fun part. You do not crave to be a certain part or a certain state. Because that itself is not what the value is preaching. So it's very interesting. So it's like you're not supposed to look forward to being a Vipassana yogi or wanting that total dissolution experience or wanting to be Buddha. So that is also the interesting part and the difficult part to get to. Yep. So a lot of my friends, when I share them this experience, they ask about are there like benefits or impact or changes after Vipassana meditation. So yes, it is. Um, I think in the immediate first two days, I was feeling still a little bit disoriented. I think the heightened sense of awareness are there, are like very much there. And a little disoriented back to the real world. I needed, I needed to drive. I needed to go back and live my life like how I lived 11 days before. So it took me a while to get back to like the sense or the more normal sense back to the real world. And for the first week or so, I think I was very calm, very soft. I was flowing. I was probably glowing. And I was feeling extra feminine as well during the first week. 
I think the impact from the meditation really shown for the first week or so. And then I also proceeded to meditate every day since coming back here. So I have been meditating for a minimum 15 minutes a day. And the habit was relatively easy to form because one, I did make time for it in the morning. And also after you spend 7 to 10 hours of meditation a day for 10 days, it really helped to 15 minutes just felt nothing. And one key benefit from this 10-day retreat was now meditating for 15 minutes is a breeze. It's very easy. Back then when I was doing even guided meditation, even less than 5 minutes, I was already feeling very restless. For now, 15 minutes are a breeze, even though maybe my mind wasn't the most present, but I can really sit through 15 minutes now very easily without feeling too much restlessness. Sometimes I still do. Then um, other impacts also include that I do get excited or get triggered still, but I thought I'm able to contain the reaction a little better. I would feel the sensation, but sometimes I still react but because I'm still human, but I think I'm able to contain the reaction a little bit more or in a way be aware of the sensation a little bit more and also be aware of my natural reaction a little bit more. Because part of this whole vipassana practice is also to realize your sankara. And sankara here means habit pattern. You have lived so many years of your life reacting to something when someone said something. And you still need to take time to eradicate that habit pattern. And then go to a state of neutral reaction in the end. So it is still taking a lot of practice for me to do it. But at least I felt now I'm definitely more aware of the sensation and then being aware of the reaction on the sensation as well. So that's how I felt for the past one month. Um, another observation is when I feel triggered, which I actually felt a lot of triggers second half of last year when I went back to my new job. And these triggers didn't really spiral. So there are the feelings and I allow the feelings. I embraced it and I felt I may not be able to bounce out immediately, but I'm able to bounce out of it perhaps either a little faster or bounce out of it a little bit more peacefully. So there will still be sensations. I think it's not about us not feeling anything anymore. We are humans after all. We will have emotion, we will have triggers, we will have excitement. But it is really the reaction that comes out of it. Am I making things worse? Am I making myself feel more excited than I should? Or if I'm making myself more triggered than I should? And I felt that with the practice, I was able to contain it a little bit better. Other impact also includes that I definitely felt more spiritual than before. It's probably again the sense of heightened awareness. And I also probably have another spiritual encounter with a wild boar when I was hiking. Um, you mean, um, people who know me, I would probably tell the story, but it is really quite a funny and interesting encounter with the wild boar. So now when I go to hiking in the same mountain, I'll be a little bit more 
aware. <laughs> then、um, I think also to exercise a little bit more compassion, yeah, or compassion and love to people. I think right now I also judge people a little lesser, and I hope to not judge、mm-hmm. a person based on just my observation or what I know of that person, because I really wouldn't know what the person's background is and what the, or how the person has lived his or her life. So I felt now is also me trying to judge less by practicing compassion a little bit more. Then, lastly, one question came into mind: Is what about my new age practice or my new age meditation right now? Do I need to stop doing it? Do I mix it up? Do I complement each other, or do I、uh, use sound healing while trying to scan my body the vipassana way? So eventually,、um, the course also teach to not mix both of them to practice them separately. Or eventually to only practice one meditation type. So I did sound healing last week, which is also the first session that I wanted to test it out.、Um, I think I also deduced during the course during my ten day is I would continue to practice more, but the major type that I would definitely subscribe to is vipassana meditation. While the new age meditation will in a way be a complementary or a supplementary. Practice, so I felt vipassana is definitely still hard work, and the one that I want to practice and resonate a little bit more, while the likes of new age like sound healing meditation, I want to use it like a more relaxing meditation, like the one that where I do not want to put too much work. I just want to relax my body and mind, or I just want to do something different. Then I would go for sound healing. So in a way, I am putting both on different purpose and different frequency of practicing. So I hope I think they complement each other very well, and they are also in a way based or associated or on the basis of Buddhism principles as well. Okay, so what's next for me with regards to like meditation and spirituality? Um, meditation, like I say, oh sorry, vipassana meditation, like I say, is here to stay for me as a daily practice. At a minimum, I would do fifteen minutes every morning, and I hope I would be able to increase it to twenty minutes, eventually to twenty-five minutes, and to thirty minutes, and hopefully, I'll be able to do it morning and night as well. I definitely want to deepen my practice by going back for one day, three day course, and another official ten day course as well. And I would like to go back to volunteer as well, which is also an experience that is being advocated for meditators to do. And I believe when I go back as a student for another ten day course, there are also new experience that awaits. So I actually looking forward to the next one when I'm able to return. I think apart from the actual new experience, like、um, there will be no food for all students. After twelve p.m. for the second time that they go back, and I'm also able to meditate in an individual cell. And I think the biggest experience that I want to do when I return is to actually empty my mind. I may not bring, be bringing a journal, but I just really want to empty my mind and slow things down a little bit more, especially to slow down my mind. And maybe not bring them as much because now I know that okay, I want to just 
make the most out of the 10 day, I should just really unite like my body meditating and my mind meditating as well. So that is the biggest thing I'm looking forward to to go back as an old student. Then uh, what's next would also me attempting more active meditation as a Vipassana yogi. And I also hope, in a way, not crave for it, but I hope to reach a better state of meditation progress, like the total dissolution state. I think I mildly experienced it, like a portion of it the other day. But I also need to remind myself I'm not craving or chasing the feelings. I'm not chasing to be a Vipassana yogi and I'm not chasing the feeling of experiencing total dissolution of my body as well. Because again, if I do, then that's not an equanimous mind. Then what's next is the most important part is to really apply the value of equanimity in my daily life as a value. And I would like to also see how I tweak my approach to a few things in life. Maybe I should I would be less tense at work. I would react lesser to triggers. I maybe would adjust my ambition just, just so now I know that I'm know a little bit clearer on what I want. And I also know a little bit clearer on how I want to be a better person and also why I want to be a better person. Then finally, what's next is also me wanting to venture a little bit deeper, theoretically, on learning about Buddhism and also New Age because I felt they really do complement each other a lot. So I think this Vipassana meditation was a good start for me. I've gotten a few physical books, which I've actually never bought books already, but I'm just really interested to see how I can learn about the application of Vipassana meditation and hopefully to dive into Buddhism a little bit deeper and also New Age practice a little bit deeper. I'm personally really looking forward to this. At the same time, I'm still very interested in Christianity and Islam. So I, on the side, I would also explore these. So let's see, I mean, I have a lifetime to explore all of these things as well. Okay, we have almost come to an end, but before that, some of the last words as summary is Buddhism or not. I do believe we live in a world with ups and downs, with successes and challenges, with happiness and miseries, love and betrayal. So there are, and I felt to have a way to deal with these ups and downs, the challenges, the miseries, the betrayal, the pain are quite vital. And I'm not saying that Vipassana meditation is the answer, but I would say that to find a way that could bring you peace and happiness. And I don't think I've shared this to a lot of people, but I felt one of my goals in life, in a way, is to experience peace or to be at peace and fulfilled with what I do. And I know that it would not be all the time. There was bound to be miseries. But in a way, the act of the use of Vipassana meditation is able to eradicate some of it. To eradicate all of it is a huge effort and also a continuous work in progress. I'm not putting like an ambition on that. But let's see where my meditation practice goes. 
And I do find it very interestingly that this learning, this whole Vipassana meditation learning, comes at a very timely manner for me. And also, as much as this is a mental health practice, we all know that this is also a huge spiritual practice. And I find that if you were to come into Vipassana meditation, and not just me finding it, but um, the old student whom I got acquainted to also say that it is a spiritual experience and it also meant that one is spiritually ready to experience and complete a Vipassana meditation. So yes, I would say that if you have a chance, if you're interested in meditation, do try a few forms of meditation and see if it resonates. If not, find a way to handle or manage your mental health. It could be having a good hobby, it could be having a support system, it could be meditation, or it could be other forms. Because mental health, it's very important, as much as your physical health and spiritual health, because I think everything is connected, especially your body, mind, and soul. Hence, physical, mental, spiritual health to me are all important. And last but not least, if you are interested in silent meditation or vipassana meditation, I would urge you to give it a try. I would urge you to be open about it and find 10 days where you can commit to take off and experience this once in your lifetime. Because whether or not vipassana meditation is something that you resonate, I felt that there is something to take away from this experience. It could be that digital detox. It could be the escape from concrete jungle. It could be that noble silence. It could be that experience of living in a plantation or somewhere far from home. I think there, and also, of course, the Buddhism principles or the monk and nun lifestyle, I think it will inspire you in some ways. It definitely inspires different people in different ways. And I hope that my sharing actually bring you some perspective on what it is and go there and experience it on your own. Okay. And with that, I'm ending this episode. I think this episode is, has gone a little bit longer. And in a way, it's like me brain dumping my testimonial as well. I do have notes in front of me, but a lot of it are also just coming out as I speak. And I think in meta fashion, I wish all beings are happy. And I wish all of you who are listening to this are at peace. You're happy. You're good. You're healthy. Thank you for listening to this and see you next episode. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to this episode and for spending time with me on the Emerald Project Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you are keeping up well. I always appreciate comments and feedback. And if you have a topic you would like me to talk about or better still, be a guest in my podcast, do reach out to me. I'm on Instagram where my handle is at The Anna Project and my website is www.theannaproject.com. If you have not already, please follow me on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Spotify channels for new episodes. See you next time. Bye.